Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father John Horgan, who is a priest of the Archdiocese of Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada, and the pastor at St. Pius X Parish. After graduating from Harvard University, he went to the Angelicum in Rome before being ordained by St. John Paul II. He has lectured and consulted on questions of moral theology and healthcare ethics in Canada and in the United States. And he has hosted two television series on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. With Father John Horgan, we go inside the pages of His Angels at Our Side, Understanding Their Power in Our Souls and in the World, published by EWTN Publishing. I love this book, His Angels at Our Side, Understanding Their Power in Our Souls and in the World. It's more than just the type of books that we see on angels that are lovely in the fact that they give us a lot of anecdotal experiences of the angels, but yours yeah. is really like a, a catechism of the angels. Thank you so much. I wanted to write a book that would speak about the angels' influence on our spiritual lives, and especially how the angels share with us their gift of prayer and praise of God, because I think that the angels can teach us how to adore God in a marvelous way. And adoration, uh, for many people, is very difficult outside of Eucharistic adoration. But uh, adoration should be part of our prayer every day, and certainly when we come to Mass. We are adoring God for His beauty, His goodness, His truth, for all His perfections. And the angels are the first reflections in creation of those perfections of God. Oh, I'm so glad you said it that way, because I think sometimes we, uh, maybe because we don't understand their nature uh, as we should, we we make them out to be uh, reflections of ourselves in some way. I mean, uh, and what I mean by that, Father, is that sometimes I think we think of them as more like, oh, how can I say this uh, reverently? We treat them more like they were given to us or that they're our buddies, uh, am I, I am I stating this improperly? Oh no, you absolutely are correct. And in fact, you know, uh, when someone asks me, as as often happens, well, why can't I name my angel, or can't I name my angel? Mm-hmm. My answer is, you can name a puppy, you can name a cat, you can't name an angel. The mm-hmm. angel doesn't belong to you. In a certain sense, by God's providence, you belong to the angel. You're under his care for the time of your life on earth. The angels receive their name and their power directly from God in their creation. And so it's, it really is important for us not to project our own imagination upon the angels and make them in our image and likeness, but instead look to the scriptures and the tradition of the church in order to understand who the angels truly are and that they stand before us clothed with the majesty and the power and the authority of God. 
we see that certainly in the Old Testament when the Lord sends his angel before the people of Israel and bids them to listen to him because he holds God's name in himself. So the angels who come to assist us in our journey of faith as disciples of Christ have that same mission and that same majesty. It's wonderful that they they call us, they invite us to friendship with them, but that is a, a holy friendship. And so it's one that should fill us with wonder and a certain awe. The, the only person who really, uh, in the scriptures at least, wasn't struck with a certain amount of fear, holy fear, in the presence of the angels was the Blessed Mother. Mm. Uh, in, in the description of the Annunciation, you can see that she's not afraid of Gabriel at all. She's not overawed by his glory or majesty, but that's because she's the sinless one, the Immaculate. Uh, we have a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> in that regard. What I love so much about the book, Father, is that you give us a sense of how they were created, just as we're created beings. But theirs was a very unique, very, very special, awesome creation. It is. The, the angels, uh, the church has always taught that the angels are created on what we call the first day of creation, when God created the heavens when God said, let there be light, and the angels, in a certain sense, are beings of light, something that has often been uh, a phrase that's often been used to describe them. They're filled with the, the might and majesty of the Lord, and the names that we see in scriptures for the different groupings of angels, seraphim, cherubim, thrones, and so on, uh, all relate to Almighty God. And even the three personal names that we have in scripture, of the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. All three of those names end in the suffix E-L. Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, and L means of God. So uh, St. Michael's name is who is like unto God. Raphael, the medicine of God. Gabriel, the messenger of God. So we, we see that uh, they are uh, the first reflections, as it were, of the aspects of God's infinite qualities. And so each angel uh, is unique in himself and bears in himself uh, a special combination of those quality of God, qualities of God that he reflects and adores and honors and praises, because the angel really is all prayer, all mm -hmm. adoration, so to speak. You know, uh, the angels gaze upon the face of God, as Jesus tells us in St. Matthew's Gospel, constantly. Even if they're taking care of us as guardians, or they have some other uh, mission uh, that is given to them by the Father, they are constantly gazing upon the Lord in heaven in wonder and adoration. And so they can teach us a great deal about prayer, and worship, uh, they can teach us to remain with our faces fixed on the Lord, with our hearts lifted up to the Lord, even when we're busy about so many things in everyday life. Uh, those, are, those are marvelous things. Even though there are many mysteries about the angels that we won't know until we come to heaven, really the church has, has given us, handed on to us, so much that can be helpful in our own spiritual lives. 
We've been given this great gift of the guardian angel. Can you talk to us about the guardian angels and help us to understand exactly how we are to properly relate to them? The church has believed uh, from early times uh, that every soul, not just the baptized, but every soul is under the protection and guidance of an angel of the Lord. Now, the angels in this way share in the mission of Jesus the Savior. And so they are walking by the side of someone for whom the Lord has offered his life, his blood, in sacrifice. So the angel's mission is to bring us to that perfection of charity and love so that we can enter into the presence of God and see the Lord face to face for all eternity. So throughout our life, the angel acts to pray for us, pray with us, inspire us to acts of goodness, uh, turn us away from evil, um, call us to repentance, and perhaps also to dispose our, our minds and our hearts to understand all the many hidden blessings of daily life so that we can be mindful of the Lord, so that we can benefit from all of his rich graces and blessings. But for us to uh, benefit fully from that relationship, we need to know about the angels and we need to invite them to be part of our journey, to invite the guardian angel to take up his mission so that we foster a relationship with the angel in gratitude for God's gift and also in cooperation so that we say, Lord, I thank you for having given me an angel to watch over me, and I wish to be open to his voice when he speaks to me through conscience, when he guides me, when he directs me back to you. And now, ordinarily, the angels don't speak to us in messages or locutions or mystical experiences. Even when these do occur in the lives of very saintly people, they're few and far between. But the angel every day is bringing us gifts of enlightenment, inspiration, and what we might call intuitions. Enlightenments are when the Lord gives us a grace, usually through the angel, because the Lord loves to associate a second, second min, means and ministers in his plan. The, uh, we have an enlightenment, an, an understanding of perhaps a teaching of the church, or we go to Mass and we hear something in the Gospel that we believe we've never heard before. We find a grasp of the truth whereby what we hear isn't just true, but it's also good and beautiful. That's an enlightenment, a spiritual enlightenment, and it brings us closer to the Lord and gives us strength to fulfill His will. At other times, the angel may be responsible for an inspiration, an inspiration to do good or to avoid an evil, to say a word of kindness to someone, to notice that someone is in need of us in a particular moment, or how we can go about doing something good that we hadn't imagined possible or available to us before. And finally, Intuitions are, I'd say, when the, when the angel guides us to practical things in life 
You know, sometimes uh, we find answers to prayers in the most unexpected places. Sometimes we find our car keys in the most unexpected places. And that's also part of the providence of God, that the angel may be inspiring and uh, aiding us in these circumstances in life. And then you multiply those aids by uh, in all of the different circumstances in which we meet with others. And we can communicate, we can ask uh, their angels to help us so that we can be heard truly, deeply, simply by the other person. You know, St. John the 23rd and Pope Pius XI in the 20th century both uh, served as diplomats for the Vatican. And they later wrote that they always prayed to the angels of the people with whom they were going to meet to open the road to them and perhaps to inspire the person praying to understand the character of the other party and to say the right thing. Just think how important that could be in our daily life and in our relationships with others. So there really is a marvelous gift of aid and help that the Lord wants to give us through the angel, through the guardian angel specifically. So the angel is our companion throughout our life, and it's common teaching of many of the saints that uh, the angel then becomes our companion forever in heaven in praising God. So the angel is a little bit like a personal patron saint, someone whom the Lord has chosen for us, so, uh, someone who is ever at our side, someone who desires our highest good and our best happiness. It's extraordinary, especially as I read more and more in his angels at our side, understanding their power in our souls and in the world. What you've done here, as I, re I referred to earlier, it really is like, a, again, like a catechism of the angels. But in that, you've also shown us how to grow with our angels' help, to grow in our relationship with God. And I think that chapter five of the book is every chapter is a gem, but this one in particular, I think, because you lead, you led me into thinking and opening myself up to something, a different paradigm. For example, asking my angel and accepting my angel's help in helping me in the spirit of silence. Do we not yes. need that in today's world? I mean, really? Oh, absolutely. And you know, the angels bring us to a silence that is a silence of expectancy and of listening, of making room within ourselves for God. And there is so much noise in our world, and there can be so much noise within our own minds and hearts. The angel brings us to that stillness of expectancy and gratitude where we can be aware of God's blessings, where we can call upon them in such a, a, a marvelous way. Supernatural silence involves humility and wonder and gratitude, and these qualities are joined then to memory, to delight, and to longing. So the silence that, uh, that I talk about and that the angels can teach is not just the absence of words and noise, but it's the kind of silence that prepares us, empties out our hearts, so that we can be ready to hear the Word of God and to cherish it, to hold on to it. And our special model in this, uh, I suggest, is St. Joseph, 
Saint Joseph is really the great saint of silence. He's also a man who benefited from uh, three messages from the angels that are recorded in the scriptures that guided him and gave him courage uh, in order that he might fulfill his mission as the protector of the Immaculate Conception and the Word made flesh. So I, I, I love to say to people, you know, it's St. Joseph is silent, not because he had nothing to say, but because he had so much to listen to. Mm. And his silence really is, is a great teacher for us of, of charity and of what it takes to do the will of God. When the angel appears to Joseph um, and to reassure him about uh, Our Lady and uh, the wonders that are being accomplished in her, the Church really has always believed that that was not so much to reassure Joseph about Mary's virtue, it was really to reassure Joseph about his own virtue, mm. that God would prepare him and give him everything that he needed for his mission. And that's something that really is important for all of us. You know, we are, uh, I think, people who are serious in their spiritual life are very aware of their own sins and failings. And sometimes the memory of our past sins and failings can really cripple us, make us hesitate and hold back from doing good. Uh, we, even we, uh, though our sins are forgiven, we sometimes can be embarrassed by them, and we're very conscious of our own weaknesses. And as a result, there's a great deal of good that doesn't get done because we don't take up our responsibility or our mission in God's eyes. The angel came to St. Joseph in order to uh, reassure him that he was ready to do God's will and that God would be with him. And, uh, and there are very clear signs of that in, in the scriptures in St. Matthew's Gospel. So that's why his example and his silence is something that we can, well, we can relate to, quite frankly. And, uh, and so when the angel tells Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, and gives him the authority to name the, the, the child Jesus, the name chosen by heaven, but a name that Joseph imparts to the child in keeping with Jewish tradition, that really is a sign that Joseph will have everything that he needs for his mission, and so will we. So mm. will we. So the angels, although they're not human, they can do a great deal uh, in teaching us confidence. And uh, that's something that we very definitely need in our world today. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. We now return to Inside the Pages. Oh, we're very blessed today to be talking with Father John Horgan about his book, His Angels at Our Side, Understanding Their Power in Our Souls and in the World. We're still in that same chapter, that spirit of obedience. The angels can help us to be able to respond more faithfully. That's right. And here again, you know, someone might ask, well, why can't do I need to learn this through the angels? Why can't I, I learn obedience through the example of the saints? Well, of course one can, but stop and think for a moment. The existence of the guardian angel, the existence of all the holy angels as holy messengers really comes about because they were obedient to God in the moment of trial, in their testing in faith. They accepted God's will and God's plan for creation and salvation and for the angels' part in it. And it was because of that active uh, acceptance of God's will that they were confirmed in grace and raised up to the mission that they have. So if, if I want to be obedient to God and accept his will to such an extent that one day in heaven, when I understand all the mysteries, when God has given me the light of glory that he shares with the blessed, that I'll be able to say, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain, which is really the praise of the saints in, in heaven described in the book of Revelation, is really when we see the whole picture of God's plan and we say, wow, <laughs> this is not only good and true and beautiful, this is the most perfect the most beautiful, the most wondrous of plans is the plan of God, right and true and perfect and harmonious in everything. Well, the angels can help us to start to see and to understand here on earth, and they can help our gift of faith so that our faith becomes a light that's bright enough to help us see even in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so the, these gifts, we, when we understand better who the angels are and what it is to be ready to enter into the presence of God, we have a, a better understanding of the work that is before us. And you know, that, that work is oftentimes through doing very simple things um, with our prayer, with our daily life, uh, with our words and towards each other. Um, I make a point of saying, you know, Every little act of kindness and charity, every kind word that you speak is an exorcism. Mm. It pushes back the darkness. It helps to defeat Satan. It lifts us up closer to the Lord and makes us part of uh, the, the angelic works and of praise and glory given to God. Well, it's so important for us to be able to have this understanding of the action of these holy, good angels 
just as it is we're supposed to recognize and realize that there are those beings that are not good, that are not holy. Father, we say in the Mass, we believe in things visible and invisible. And the reality of that battle or that action in the invisible world, the faithful Christian, the faithful Catholic, we need to understand that, don't we? We do indeed, uh, because we we need to know that uh, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. And it's not so much because we're wonderful, but the devil is envious of God's plan for us, of our place in the heart of the Father, that God so loved the world that he sent his Son to become one like us, and to become one like us even despite our sins, to save us from our sins. But, you know, to raise us up to such a place in heavenly glory, uh, this this is the Father's plan from the beginning. And so uh, the angels and devotion to the angels reminds us of who we are in the Father's plan and of how we must turn away from the wiles of the devil. Uh, we must not settle for uh, for what glitters. All that glitters is not only not gold; it's not certainly not God. God is to be found in the in the simple and beautiful and true, and He is to be found even in uh, in those who uh, seem to be most insignificant in our world. That's why His Son was born as a child in the poverty of Bethlehem. So that the Lord teaches us by his incarnation uh, how to love and how to do battle against evil. Is it a danger for us that we try to make the devil and the demons, those fallen angels, we give them an equality to the angels, the holy angels, that somehow we think that their power is greater than even those messengers that are so close to God. Well, I do. I think you're right there, and it, it's a very strange thing, isn't it? But that's part of the fascination of evil. Mm. Evil always makes itself look uh, more enticing than the good. Uh, we fall to lies that choice, the power to choose, is the greatest of all things. Well, our, our, the gift of free will that God has given us is a magnificent gift, but it finds its excellence in choosing what's good in choosing what's right, in choosing what's true, and in doing so freely. That's the gift. The devil always tries to deceive us into thinking that only by following him will we be like God. You know, that was his deceit Mm -hmm. to Eve and Adam in, in the garden, and that's still the deceit that he tries to foist upon us. But when we look at how God treats us, God shares his divine life with us. He shares with us, uh, you know, divine filiation. We become sons and daughters through the only begotten Son, Jesus. He shares with us divinization, the heights of the spiritual life. Those are all the things that God wants to give us freely. The devil has no power for that. But the devil uh, wants us to mistrust God, to mistrust the Father. Uh, that's why Pope John Paul II, in one of his Wednesday audiences, actually called the original sin patricide, 
Mm. He said, you know, it was the, it was a desire to kill the father and uh, to believe that the father was not all good, all loving. The father is all good, all loving. And so he has sent us his son to reveal his face of mercy to us and the Holy Spirit to constantly remind us of the gentleness and the goodness of the Son and call us to conversion. So we need to turn away very resolutely from evil and from the deceits of the devil. And uh, one of the ways in which we do that uh, is through purifying the powers of our soul. And the angels help us to do that, to purify our memory, our intellect, and our free will so that we don't always focus on the past, on sin or on slights or offenses that we've been victims of in the past. Instead, we need to learn how to practice forgiveness, Mm -hmm. to be Christ-like in our forgiveness, to be generous in our forgiveness, so that our memory is purified. We need to learn to understand as much as we can the mysteries of our faith, so that our mind and our way of thinking and our way of judging is purified so that it's, we are active in the truth. And finally, in, uh, in terms of our free will, we want to choose what is good, what is lasting, and what God wants. And that is something that, you know, is, is very critical for us. Jesus teaches us in the Our Father to say, Thy will be done. Mary teaches us in the Annunciation to say, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. And we can very simply say in in a very beautiful little prayer that I talk about at length in the book, Jesus, I want what you want for me. Mm -hmm. It's through that kind of direct and simple, sincere speech, prayer, that we really give ourselves over into the hands of God and through the help of our angel are truly formed into that living image and likeness of our God that is the whole plan and purpose of the Christian life. Well, Father John, you are so inspiring. I don't doubt that it's touching everyone's heart because the angels are with you as you speak. And I just cannot highly recommend more his angels at our side, understanding their power in our souls and in the world. And there's so much here. I mean, that the, the whole section on where you break open where they're revealed in the sacred scriptures. Yes. And yes. that in itself is just priceless. I mean, every aspect of it. And not only in how the angels act with us and the relationship that we have, but the opportunity. I mean, I want to run to Mass again today. Because now I, I want to go and be with that goodness, how you describe what happens in the liturgy. Like, of course, of course we would want to run and be a part of all that. Well, you know, that's, that's the angel's great gift. And it was for me, too. When I first really became introduced to the holy angels uh, when I was a seminarian, uh, building on the, the devotion of my childhood, I realized that the angels have the power of uh, revealing to us the Holy Trinity in, in all God's majesty and beauty in such a marvelous way that, as you say, you do want to run back to Mass mm-hmm. uh, and be caught up in their worship of God. And they, in turn, uh, you know, uh, they would be jealous 
if an angel could be jealous, he would be jealous of two things in our lives. Our ability to receive Holy Communion, to be transformed by the Eucharistic Christ and changed into him. Because the angels do not receive communion because they do not have human nature and they do not have a human body. So they don't relate to the Lord through the sacraments as we do, and, and certainly not through the Eucharist. We call the Eucharist the bread of angels, but that's really what it isn't. It's, it's the once bread and once wine adored by the angels, the living Christ, but they don't receive him in that way. And we can offer our sufferings to the Lord. We can offer the sufferings and trials of our own body for our own sanctification, but also for our neighbor. We can become cooperating redeemers with Christ, fulfilling in ourselves, as St. Paul says, what is lacking in his passion. Now, the passion of Christ, of course, is, is perfect and sufficient for the salvation of the whole world, but the Lord wants us to be part of his work. And so when we maintain our trust, our faith in God, and our love for God and neighbor in time of trial and suffering, we are working a great work. We are cooperating in the work of salvation. And even if you can't go out and be an apostle, even uh, for people who can only make it to daily Mass and lift up their hearts in prayer in those moments in that way, well, we've participated in an infinite act of love in an infinitely perfect act of prayer and worship and evangelization, of calling down strength from heaven for the work of the church everywhere, uh, so that uh, not only may the angels be strengthened in their mission, but that all men and women, all the baptized in Christ Jesus, might be strengthened in our mission to bring his life and his salvation to others. So you're absolutely right. Run to mass. <laughs> if you can, if you can go to church, go. And if you can't, send your guardian angel to make a little visit for you to adore Jesus in the tabernacle. You know, even the greatest of saints, the greatest of minds, uh, have done that frequently and recommended that as a practice that we can engage in. Well, Father John, I mean, for that person out there right now who is hearing this, and maybe they had never really had an experience or understanding of their angels, or maybe they've just, what they would say, maybe are a little skeptical because in this world, it, it's something so good, how could it be so true? What would you say to that one person who all of a sudden a door has been open? What would you say to them? I would say, when you go to Mass, if you are a Catholic person, when you go to Mass, when we pray together as a church, the Holy, 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 just before the Eucharistic prayer, ask your angel to pray it with you. And so you can say, Guardian Angel, if you are here, I invite you to pray with me, and I want to pray this prayer with you. Open my mind and my heart to the glory and the beauty and goodness of God. Do that a few times. Make that part of your prayer practice at Mass, and you will see a tremendous difference. And if you're not going to church, or if you are not Catholic at this moment, you're still searching, know that you too have an angel who looks upon the face of God and say, Holy Angel, if you're there, 
and you do see the face of God as he truly is, help me to see him as he truly is. Help me to receive and understand and grasp what he wants me to know so that I may possess truth and goodness and beauty in all their fullness too. Just do that. Open yourself that much to the plan of God and the presence of God and the angel will be able to fulfill his mission for you and in you. And you will see a change. You will see a great change in your spiritual life. I can only echo what you said earlier. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. yes, please, yes. dear God, please. Oh, amen. Oh, Father John, this is awesome. Any, any final thoughts? I wish we had more time, but any final thoughts? Well, you know, I did get to speak about St. Joseph. Uh, I only was able to mention our Blessed Lady just for a moment, and uh, I'll, I'll take just one moment to say Our Lady is Queen of the Angels, and there's a, uh, there's, we call her queen of the angels because, again, she does not share their nature. They do not share human nature. So we don't call her the mother of the angels. We call her queen of the angels. Mm -hmm. But the angels look at Mary and they are fascinated. They are just so fascinated because they see in her every one of us as we ought to be. Mm. And in her, they love us as we can be. Each one of us filled with the presence and the power of God. So uh, there is one tradition in the church that when an angel is going to be made a guardian angel, he, he goes to the Blessed Mother and she opens her heart to him, uh, you know, like a, like a magnificent cathedral in which we, the angel experiences the worship of God in all its perfection. And that it's with that thought of Jesus living in Mary, that the angel then begins his mission as guardian to each one of us. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thought. And to know that uh, she directs the angels as her own, and uh, she has a, uh, a gift to give to each one of us through our angel, and the angel directs us to her. The angel teaches us to be Marian in our acceptance mm -hmm. of God's will. I think that's a great, a great truth that we can must never forget. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sending, or I'm going to ask respectfully my guardian angel to go to yours right now and to give you just even a glimpse of the gratitude that I have in my oh, heart, okay. not only for myself, but for everyone that's hearing this. Father John Horgan, thank you so very, very, very much. Thank you, Chris. You're very welcome. And God bless you in this very important ministry. With Father John Horgan, we've gone inside the pages of His Angels at Our Side, understanding their power in our souls and in the world. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to EWTNpublishing.com, the website for its publisher, EWTN Publishing. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this program along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, 
And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.